Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the temperamental forest and the tyrannical Brent. Ooh. Well, I think that uh, what you need, Brent, is you need a temperament like the current president of the United States, and then you Uh, won't be so tyrannical. I think that's That's true. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Truly a pioneer of freedom in this country, someone who's finally taking power away from the deep state and the elites <laughs> and the, all those pizza eaters out there. Yeah. We know what that oh, means. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We know what they're all doing. I think what you just said is actually verbatim from the uh, Bannon script for the inauguration of Donald Trump. I think that that's... <laughs> oh, I mean, it those could the- be. You know, I when I think of freedom, Steve Bannon is the person I channel oh, the yeah. most. His face. I just yes. see that face, beautiful face. Yeah. And think freedom immediately. Freedom, liberty. Beautiful face, too many shirts on at once. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) And I just want to let everyone know, just a quick little reminder, is that we're on a bunch of stuff, and we don't want to bore you with all the stuff. So just really quickly, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Discord, Twitch, YouTube, all these places. And if you go to nondarecallitordinary.com slash links, You'll be able to find all those links to all those sites there and probably more that I'm forgetting right now because I'm in a closet. (laughs) (laughs) And what you know what? This is our special 50th episode, isn't it? This is number five zero. What are we? What are we doing today? What is our uh, what's our 50th episode, Dylan? Well, we knew we had to do something special, something phenomenal. And earlier in this recording, we talked about freedom. And we talked about, you know, the true spirit of America. And we wanted to channel that in this episode. And who better to channel those ideals than Alex Jones? Yes. Finally, it's happening. We needed something big. We needed something fat and special. And so we're doing (laughs) an entire series on the ideas loosely used of one Alex Jones. Finally, something real, something I can bite into. Exactly. Something we can all bite into, uh, into the apple of um, prosperity. Yes. So we're going to start by asking, where did Alex Jones come from? And in fact, the very first fact I'm going to give you <laughs> might be the most unbelievable. Now, that might be hard to believe right up front, but it turns out Alex Jones was born in 1974 in Dallas, Texas, making him right now 45 years old. How old would you say he looks, Dylan? Like, what's your you know, thought? I, I, I don't know, but I did a test. Um, I did a mom test. Yep. Uh, what, when I want to know the will of the people, I ask my mom. And <laughs> the mother of the ordinarium. The, the, who is now officially the mother of the ordinarium. Yes. If you go to our Twitter and Instagram, you'll find out why. And I just sent her a picture of Alex Jones, just the, his Wikipedia picture. And I just said, how old is this man? She didn't even know who it was. Her immediate reaction, 56 years old. So slightly different. Than what Alex Jones is claiming. Upon doing research for this episode, I came across a YouTube comment that actually explains this rather well. 
And that is, quote, this is what you look like when you spend all your life failing to expose conspiracy theories. So I think that oh, that's, that's a good explanation. It just ages you super fast. <laughs> I got it. Okay. And I got to say, I got to defend him. I think he looks at least as good as Steve Bannon. So I think that's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly. But Steve Bannon, I mean, that's like the look when you're like in the Nazis looking for the Ark of the Covenant. That's the kind of look <laughs> Steve Bannon has. <laughs> so that's going to be hard to beat. <laughs> so moving on. Uh, so let's... We're just going to... Ass- Okay, he's 45. He was born in 1974, whatever. Sure. So Alex Jones's father was a dentist and his mom was a homemaker, and he grew up in the Dallas suburb of Rockwell. So according to Alex Jones himself, quote, I was the all-American kid with a great family. I read Time Life books, played football, was friends with everybody. While friends of his parents were members of the John Birch Society, Hmm. his home was mostly apolitical. He got his real taste of authoritarian power while in high school. There, Jones says that local police officers would sell his friends weed, ecstasy, and cocaine, (laughs) sometimes while still in uniform. Jesus. Then during football practice the next day, these same police officers would come and drug test the young athletes. (laughs) Alex Jones was not enthused about the hypocrisy. Quote, I was like, you want to drug test me? When I know you're selling the stuff? I called them the mafia to their face. At the time, I didn't know anything about CIA drug dealing. Oh, man. See, you know, I see the problem here. The officers in uniform weren't giving the young athletes DMT. Mm, So, you know, had that been the case, not only would they have become the perfect athlete, but they would have been fully enlightened, too, which has been an added benefit. So, Yeah, I mean, that's why you don't want to give them DMT, because they got to play the football game at the same time. And if they're fully enlightened, they're just going to want to, you know, sit around and meditate. No one wants to watch that. In sophomore year of high school, Jones himself was in trouble with the law. He was caught driving without a license and a six-pack of beer under the passenger seat. His response, according to Alexander Zeitchik of Rolling Stone, was to, quote, tell the cop he was corrupt and had no right to enforce the laws. <laughs> oh, they are hypocrites. The cops only allow cocaine, weed, and ecstasy. See, they didn't, they didn't buy a kid's beer. Come on now, Oh, Alex. that's a good point. So that's, that's a good point. So despite this show of bravado, Jones was only let off with a warning. Jones's father did not react well to his son's brush with the law and moved the entire family to Austin as a result. But Jones would have the last laugh. The Rockwell County Sheriff was later charged with affiliation with organized crime. See? So, See? Hey. See? See? So, may, may, you know, so far, uh, two for two, Alex Jones. I yeah, mean, he might lost. rack up losses later down the line, but right now... <laughs> As a sophomore in high school, he's doing pretty well. Which is the opposite of most people. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. So after settling into his new Austin high school, Jones quit football and quit smoking weed because, quote, it made me paranoid. Well, did he continue the cocaine and ecstasy, though? I don't. I think only his athletic friends were doing the cocaine and ecstasy. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. I, I, I hope. I hope. Yeah. And this is kind of where his political awakening begins you know as once he put down the bread and circus of the state he could get down to learning some truth he started with some history um including the decline and fall of the roman empire by gibbon and rise and fall of the third reich by shearer and i think he picked these books because he likes the up and down narrative he likes the rise and fall kind of narrative yes Man, and he, these two both fit the bill he'd really like scarface then i suggest that one. <laughs> oh yeah rise yeah. and fall of scarface but the most important book Jones read at this time was None Dare Call It Conspiracy by Gary Allen, a prominent member of the John Birch Society, 
And yes, that is where the name of this very podcast came from. Somebody call it Marvel Studios. They need to do an origin story about the podcast. And the first act will be with John Birch Society. First, there was a spider who belonged to the John Birch Society. And then he bit (laughs) Dylan in the mouth. And that's when the (laughs) podcast was born. I guess I lie when I said that was the last time we're talking about superhero movies. Damn it. Yeah, no, you no. were wrong, sir. <laughs> we have a new one to write. The, the, what, what is the greatest bread and circus phenomenon except for uh, Marvel superhero movies? I mean, come on. Yeah, I think true. that's, that's I think that tops it. Also, um, on our Twitter and Instagram, I put up a picture. I actually found a copy of this book. I've been looking for it um, and I found a weird. It looks like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> the Dr. Seuss says that very that kids hardcover skinny book for some reason. Somebody decided to make a version of None Dare Call a Conspiracy in that format. Nice. And it was on sale. And I thought it was like, is this a kid's version of this <laughs> Jesus. book? Which I really hope doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just the regular version in this weird Dr. Seuss cover. And so I snapped it up. It does nice. have a conspiracy symbol for everything except the Star of David, which I thought was strange. I was I was figuring that <laughs> had to be in there, but it wasn't. It's, you open it up, it's on the first page. Yeah, exactly. That's Boom. the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise, a sheriff's star. <laughs> the surprise ingredient is Zionism. Ah. So it, a lot of this came from this Rolling Stone article by Zychik, and he himself does a good job of summarizing None Dare Call a Conspiracy and Alex Jones's relationship to it. So I'll just quote him here, quote, According to None Dare, the federal income tax is nothing but a plot by a cabal of mega-rich insiders who work to suck the middle class dry and transfer its wealth to the Ford and Rockefeller foundations. As a teenager, Jones read the book twice. It's still the easiest to read primer to the new world order, he says. What? No mention of the Babylonians or those evil Brits? Mm, Well, I think that Alex Jones, he's a silver soul at this point. I don't think he's become a full one. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. He's got a different canon, I think, than LaRouche. Uh, There's some overlap, um, but yeah, not exactly the same. And so it's at this point where Jones begins his career in, shall we say, journalism. (laughs) End quotes. And his first big story was the uh, Waco and David Koresh conspiracy. And I believe Brent has more to say on that. That's right. So between February 28th and April 19th, 1993, the U.S. federal law enforcement, Texas state law enforcement, and the U.S. military led a siege on a compound belonging to a religious cult called the Branch Davidians. The cult was suspected of stockpiling weapons, so the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, known as the ATF, obtained a search warrant for the compound. You know, Alex Jones got his feet wet going after the WEC, which was the Weed, Ecstasy, and Cocaine uh, organizations. Soon, he'll be tackling the ATF, so... We really need to combine those, WEC, ATF. I mean, (laughs) what else could you ask for? Weketuf. Weketuf. So the leader of the religious cult was David Koresh, and the ATF obtained an arrest warrant for him and a few of the cult's leaders as well. So as the ATF attempted to raid the compound, a gun battle erupted. This resulted in the deaths of six Branch Davidians and four government agents. Eventually, the FBI raided the compound with tear gas. During the raid, a fire broke out, resulting in the deaths of 76 Branch Davidians, which included David Koresh. So the U.S. government maintains that the fire was started by members of the church. And there's really clear evidence that they started it. There's audio recording literally of the Branch Davidians talking to each other like David said to pour the gas here, right? Like this is where we're supposed to pour the gas. And so literally there's evidence that they started the fire, you know, in in an act of, I don't know, religious suicide or something like that. 
So after this horrible event, years later, we were finally able to move on as a nation. Oh, sorry, never mind. (laughs) That's that's not true. Um, Enter Alex Jones. So in 1998, Alex Jones put together a successful campaign to construct a brand new Branch Davidian Church. Why would anyone do that? So Jones did this as a memorial to those who died during the 1993 fire, which ended the siege of the Branch Davidian Church near Waco, Texas. So Jones advertised the project of the new church on his public access television program in Texas. He claimed that the cult leader, David Koresh, and his cult were, he didn't call him a cult, obviously. Um, <laughs> just want to make say, that clear. Yeah, I just they're a peaceful cult. <laughs> as, as we'll um, meet later, he, uh, Alex Jones has a cameraman named Mike. And there's a part where Mike, in the documentary I watched for this episode, Mike says something like, you know, people say the Davidians are a cult. No, the New World Order, that's the real cult. The so, <laughs> giant yeah, cult. So make got, that clear. That's yeah, true. got to reserve that word for the big old boys. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, he claimed that the cult leader, David Koresh, and his cult were peaceful people who were murdered by the ATF and Attorney General Janet Reno. Personally. Speaking Janet of, Reno personally. She went was in there. there at, yep, oh, she yeah. did. Oh, yeah. I've seen the footage. So speaking of Jones defending Colts, I was kind of curious, but unable to find anything if Alex Jones had ever like commented or made any statements on Jim Jones or cooked up some conspiracy regarding the people's temple cults. I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything. Well, I mean, I think that literally happened when he was like three years old. Yes. Like if we're going to believe him. Yeah. But also the filthy <laughs> communists. So, you know, he's not going to defend that. That's that true. Is absolutely. That's not. True. <laughs> so we're going to go into the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh. Nice. We're going to lighten up the episode. (laughs) Getting to the Oklahoma City (laughs) bomb. Too serious. So at 9.02 a.m. on April 19, 1995, a bomb went off at the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The domestic terrorist attack was perpetrated by Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. Allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry, I should have said that. Yeah, quote, unquote, unquote, unquote. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. The attack killed 168 people, injured 680 people, while destroying one-third of the building. So Timothy McVeigh d- visited Waco, Texas, during the ATF raid on the Koresh compound. He was deeply affected by the death of 80 people, saying to the government that, quote, all you tyrannical people will swing in the wind one day for your treasonous actions. Oh, so tough. Yeah, so, you know, actually that didn't happen because nothing says, you know, you hate the murder of innocent people like bombing and killing even more innocent people, which we'll find out. Makes sense. It's collateral. It's collateral in the war for freedom. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like 19 children or so that died in the Oklahoma City bombing. So, by the way, that that is more children than who died at uh, the Waco siege. So, oops. It's not about the body count. It's about the intention, Brent. Right. Yeah. The the FBI had bad intentions. That's a good point. Fine young Timothy McVeigh fellow. Great. That's right. The good soldier. So Alex Jones was not satisfied with the official story of the Oklahoma City bombing. He smelled a cover-up by the government saying, quote, I understood there's a kleptocracy working with psychopathic governments, clutches <laughs> of evil that know the tricks of control. I'm just thankful that the psychopathic government isn't itself the kleptocracy. <laughs> I thought they were the same. They're separate, Very but separate working hand-in-hand. Hand. It, yes. it Thank until, God. Thank God. It isn't until the Trump administration they have a psychopathic kleptocracy, but Alex right. Jones oh. missed that one somehow. <laughs> yes, they're merging. Well, that's good, because that's what he really wanted. He's like, the problem is they're fighting each other. They need to get together, and then freedom will reign. <laughs> oh, God. So Alex Jones also stated that the Oklahoma City bombing was a false flag committed by the government to frame the right and to aid Bill Clinton in the 1996 presidential election. 
He called it a, quote, stage event by, quote, criminals in Washington. I like the, you know, compared, I mean, we're going to talk, obviously, in the second episode about 9-11. I love how low the stakes are here. Clinton did it to get reelected. Yeah. <laughs> so low ball compared to they're doing it so they can create a police state and put us all in FEMA camps. No, Bill Clinton just wanted to get blowjobs for a few more years in the White House. <laughs> and so he murdered tens of people. <laughs> You blew up a daycare, basically, full of children. Yeah, I think I think that's worse, though, in a way, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. It's uh. almost as bad as bombing an aspirin plant in Sudan. Anyway. <laughs> Thank God he never did that. Yeah. Thank goodness. So in 2011, Alex Jones said of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City bombing, quote, they needed to go after the state's rights movements. They needed to demonize the growing militia movement. And on the Alex Jones show on August 25th, 2016, going into the future here, Jones says, quote, Now let's talk about Oklahoma City. Let's talk about Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City was a total false flag with NATO, the ATF and the CIA and the FBI. Wait, are we talking about Oklahoma we City? Are talk- we are Just so you guys know, <laughs> let's talk about Oklahoma City. Okay, <laughs> guys, wait, 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 we're going to talk wait. about Oklahoma City. Are we talking about Oklahoma City, Oklahoma? Oklahoma City. Or are we talking about a diff in Oklahoma, though? Oklahoma. Not another Oklahoma City? Oklahoma okay, City in Oklahoma. Yeah, yep. let's talk okay, okay. about <laughs> let's Oklahoma talk about City it. and just you in case you're wondering. absolutely clear. All right, now I think you can go now. I think we're yeah, all on the okay. same page. Okay. And we continuing the quote, and we know the names of the men from the witnesses in the building, from the police officers and from the declassified information that came out, the bombs in the building. So I like so Alex Jones, in his mind, Oklahoma City bombing required the coordination of NATO, the ATF, the CIA and the FBI, when in reality, it just needed a jerk off in a U-Haul van. <laughs> I think there's a slight well, difference in the himself. amount of work. Oh, but, well, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, because. Bill Clinton, so and Janet Reno too, because right. Janet oh, Reno Jesus. does Waco. Yeah, so that's the two for there. Yep. So in a 2002 film by Alex Jones called <laughs> 9/11: The Road to Tyranny, that we will be talking about more in depth in future episodes, and is definitely a film. Definitely, we should call it a film. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, by the way, my cousin Jeb Jebson's favorite film of all time. And oh, he's seen a lot of, of really good friend of humanity i don't know if it's mutual we're friends no. of him i don't know That's if he's it. friends of us yeah i'm not sure you might think we're a little yeah, he needs more friends on actually. twitter so at jubs and jub do it now yeah absolutely absolutely so jones claims that the oklahoma city bombing was a staged event and one Ooh. of many false flag events throughout history jones is so confident about this assertion that he said quote we've never had one so open and shut <laughs> interesting <laughs> okay interesting. up and down how clear this is why he has to work so hard on the 9-11 one because it's yes. not so open and shut yeah, I like how even the the Nazi Reichstag fire is not even an open and shut case, but this clearly is. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yep. Yeah, and I love false flag events throughout history, like the pyramids. Classic mm-hmm. false flag. Oh yeah, everyone knows they were built by the CIA <laughs> <laughs> with the help from ancient aliens. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he also said that quote federal fingerprints were all over the oklahoma city bombing and that clinton quote needed a crisis to enact gun laws and a quote socialized america okay now we're up in the stakes a little bit Mm -hmm. but so the government was skilled enough to enact a false flag bombing but not skilled enough to socialize america after the fact yeah despite that second one sounding a lot easier i have to say it's a long game we've got bernie coming yeah okay I can also appreciate that the FBI 
when they went to investigate the Oklahoma City bombing, they found their own fingerprints all over it and <laughs> disclosed that to the public. I thought that was a very nice yeah, thing that, that they great. did. Yeah, they probably wow. were real worried. Dan, are these your fingerprints? <laughs> Our fingerprints are all over this site. <laughs> I got the documents from the FBI. Their fingerprints are all over this thing. So speaking more on the Oklahoma City bombing conspiracy, on April 10th, 2015 on YouTube, Alex Jones said that the Justice Department, quote, did it to blame us. It's a frame up. The real criminals in Washington, they blow up daycare centers and blame it on us. See, I thought we blamed it on Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols oh, as yeah, opposed to that too, but no. whatever us that Alex Jones was talking about. <laughs> right wing lunatics. I yeah. had no idea. And also I just, it was just those two primarily. <laughs> and then after just hearing this one small snippet from one of his YouTube videos. I wonder why YouTube would bring down his whole channel. Like, why would they do it? I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, My guess is that they're against freedom and especially freedom of speech and they have no other ulterior motives. I agree. So on Jones, Alex Jones's website, he posted videos promoting a film titled A Noble Lie. So we're going to get into this film. You better believe it. We watched all these films, unfortunately. Painfully. It's a noble lie about Ben Shapiro's understanding of Plato's philosophy. No, because then you would just have to take out the word noble. <laughs> <laughs> so the film begins with the quote from Plato's Republic, quote, a noble lie refers to the propping up of a myth in order to maintain social harmony and keep the elite in their present position. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, it's the specific noble lie that Plato talks about is the idea that our souls are made of minerals. Mm. So uh, he has this tripartite theory of the soul. Um, I don't remember what the parts are. It's been a while, but he, the noble lie and the based on like the three parts, whichever one predominates, that's your place in society. Mm. And so the noble lie was that, okay, our souls are actually made of gold, silver, and bronze. And whichever mineral predominates, that tells you what place you belong in society, where Plato didn't literally think, you know, our souls were made of metal, but that was the lie you tell the stupids, so they'll fall in line. Right. Ooh. And it wasn't it in our LaRouche episodes that we talked about the golden souls? Yeah, he stole it yeah, from Plato. exactly. He did steal he it from Plato. Stole, yeah, he loved Plato, hated yeah. Aristotle. I mean, remember, LaRouge was very humble. He never claimed he was the greatest philosopher of all time, only the greatest economist. Yeah. Okay. so continuing with the video. So we start with a slew of random people saying the official story is not the accurate one, which was shocking to me. Just kidding. Um, No. So, okay. so no one was identified. (laughs) I was like, what is this? What am I watching? People been saying that ain't ain't the real thing that happened, man. (laughs) So no one is identified. So you're kind of left wondering who are these people that are talking. Um, Eventually, they do get identified. um, Strangely, experts in false flightology. Obviously, experts. So an eyewitness to the bombing says you could not see anything. There was so much dust and it smelled like sulfur. That's a quote. So, guys, I think we confirm actually that Obama actually carried out this attack. He was actually there. We know this. But we know were for there sure flies? that he does smell like so far. Yeah. Were there flies? There must have been because this is Alex Jones canon. Now. Oh, yeah. This has to be <laughs> Alex Jones canon. Oh, totally. The flies are always buzzing around the disease disguised as a president. So the Oklahoma City office of the ATF was located in the Murrah building, which is why it was targeted since the bombers were upset about the ATF's handling of the siege in the Branch Davidian compound. The film points out that no ATF officers were killed that day. 
the narrator asks, quote, was the ATF office empty that morning? Mm. And, oh boy. An anonymous man whose wife was in the building says he called the ATF and they told him that none of the ATF officers were in the building that day and that, quote, they were tipped by their pages that morning not to come into work. Mm. So, all right, let me make sure I get this straight. So this guy, his only connection to the ATF is that his wife works in the building where the AT offices are located. <laughs> exactly. And right. so he took it upon himself to call the ATF <laughs> and they just immediately told him that it was all a setup. I, exactly. I think I just Yeah, incredible. Okay. That you know, I would hope the ATF wouldn't give up the ghost quite so quickly. <laughs> I would hope, but you know, I'm glad this random dude was there to ask the right questions at the right time. <laughs> we're actually told it's, it would be ridiculous to believe the claims of a few ATF agents who say that they were there during the attack and did actually res- rescue multiple people from the rubble. Yeah, typical typical white helmet story. Exactly. Psh, helping people, please. The first quarter of the doc is about all the supposed prior knowledge about the bomb threat. And also the film states that McVeigh didn't act alone. Imagine that. And that many eyewitnesses saw other suspicious men leaving the scene that morning. A lot of people are saying. That's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are saying. One of the bodies wasn't accounted for in the Oklahoma City bombing rubble. According to Fred Jordan, an Oklahoma state medical examiner, quote, we have eight people with traumatically amputated left legs. However, we have nine left legs. We have one leg too many. So that's, <laughs> I mean, maybe one of the victims what had three, three legs. What am I going to do with all these legs? Uh, anyway, so Jones makes an appearance about 30 minutes into the film. Surprisingly, it took that long. Wow. Saying that the Oklahoma City bombing Nowadays, was... Nowadays, he would be, be immediately his close up on his face oh, I screaming. That's, I was surprised. Yeah, I was like, yeah. did he make this film? Because he wasn't in it for so long. And sadly, he did. He was too busy swimming in a creek with his shirt off. <laughs> So he makes an appearance about 30 minutes into the film saying that the Oklahoma City bombing was one of the first big stories that he covered. Quote, it was just shocking to know it was an inside job and to know that the media was involved in the cover up and that the mainstream television stations there in Oklahoma City knew what had really happened. And then years later, I was able to talk to some of those reporters and they discussed how they were told to shut up. I mean, it just showed how people were so willing to be part of the cover up because the truth was so frightening. Mm -hmm. So a senator from Oklahoma who's a Republican, Charles Key, asked, quote, who's going to investigate the investigators? Who's going to investigate the prosecutors? It's just very Trumpian of Key, actually. I like that. It's very Mueller yeah, investigation. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an obvious answer. It's the FBMI, <laughs> the Federal Bureau of Meta oh. Investigations. But They're Dylan, the ones who are going to cover that one. Who investigates them? Oh. They do. It's investigations <laughs> all the way up and no, down. No, no, no. Who, who investigates the investigators of the investigators? They do. It's the same people. This mm. is the flaw in the system. Oh, Because okay. they investigate all investigations. <laughs> I thought I had you on an infinite regress, but you got you got a good answer there. Okay, good. No, I answered it with stupidity. That's the key here. (laughs) The key. It's a badly designed system. Exactly. At about the midpoint of the film, they focus on Terrence Yiki, who is an Oklahoma City police officer who quote knew too much. He ran over to help people after the blast, and he rescued several people. But according to the film, in the weeks following the bombing, this officer quote knew that something was horribly wrong and tried to get the official storyline out. And he chose to withhold some of the storyline because he was in fear of for his family and his wife and his two young daughters. He was brutally murdered a mile and a half away from the front gate of the El Reno Penitentiary. From the moment that his body was found, we know that the crime scene was destroyed. 
So the official cause of death was ruled a suicide, but that can't be. I mean, he was obviously murdered by the ATF. Let's just be real. Or Bill Clinton. We just don't know. But I mean, Bill Clinton, he's still murdering people today. Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, it's still going on. Yeah, man. That Clinton body count, man. It'll never stop. That'll never stop. That train is going forever. Yeah. Has Bill Clinton surpassed Jason and Freddy Krueger yet in the body count? (laughs) I think. I'm not sure. Well, if you combine Bill and Hillary, you might get to Jason numbers. I'm not sure. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes... Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Jason Voorhees, Chucky. I think that's the top, <laughs> top slots, top four. Uh, that sounds, sounds right. right. Yep. So in reality, Yiki had serious family problems and suffered from PTSD from the Oklahoma City bombing. A New York Times article, journalists speak with several of his friends, and it does paint a much more complicated, thorough picture of Yiki's suicide. And just so we are all clear here, this film wants you to know that Charles Key, the Republican senator for Oklahoma, is a goddamn hero. Yeah, <laughs> he's the only one. Before Trump, That's there was right. Charles. There was Charles Key. <laughs> he started the OG, the OKBIC, which is Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee. It's a hodgepodge of random, unqualified Oklahoma citizens to investigate the <laughs> real <laughs> the real evidence to uncover the cover-up. So that's that's just sounds like a bunch of people getting in the way of things. So a heading flashes explosive evidence. The film states that, quote, the only consistent theme of the official narrative is its inconsistency. You know, the liar's paradox for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the dummies version, but yeah. So apparently there were other explosions. Obviously, you can't just have one thing happening. Don Browning, the OKC police officer, says, quote, a blast does not turn corners. And it did look like there were second explosions or a more intense explosion towards the east side of the building. Has it's he weird. never I've seen a seen, Michael Bay movie? Blast I was just saying, always I was just turn around that. corners. Like, I've seen a million <laughs> movies where the, the flashes. I've seen I, he needs to go Star watch Wars. some. Yeah, some bad boys, too, or something. <laughs> we need to call into the Alex Jones. So now, wait a minute, Alex. I've seen a million movies. <laughs> And I think you're a bit mistaken. He, he wouldn't say, well, you shouldn't get your evidence from movies. He would say, those movies were made by the New World Order themselves. Yeah, evil Hollywood. <laughs> so the bomb blast crater doesn't match up to the blasts or something. So it was a demolition job. It wasn't just one truck bomb. According to the film, there were apparently bombs strapped to various concrete columns. I'm not saying it, it's the only explanation. It's just the only explanation. Of course. The yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. The FBI laboratory also told lies about the explosion. God, fucking laboratories. They all suck. People always lying, making shit up. If only there was someone we knew who could infiltrate them from the oh. inside. I'm on it, guys. Some people supposedly yelled, quote, second bomb during the explosion. So, you know, that's reliable. Yeah. Some uh, people, a lot of people are saying that somebody yelled it. Jesus Christ. So the narrator asked, quote, who planted these bombs and had access to the Murrah building before the bombing? The suggestion, I guess, is the ATF. We don't we don't know, but I'm going to go with that. I'm just asking questions like Glenn Beck. I'm just asking questions. God, it's okay to ask questions. And I'm getting paid a lot of money to ask those (laughs) questions, no matter how irresponsible they are. The more irresponsible, the more money I get in my Patreon account. Is Van Jones a communist revolutionary? I'm just asking questions. So Craig Roberts says, quote, day one, hour two of the bombing, the most significant event that happened is when they said they found other bombs in the building. He says the second most significant event is when there were people still trapped in the building. You know, a couple trucks pulled up 
and people with, quote, blue jackets with no letters on the back started taking boxes of files out of the building, loading them onto the truck. So hmm. that's shady. Where does the explosion fit into this the multiple timeline of explosions, most significant The events? multiple explosions, <laughs> Dylan. Uh, I'm sorry, but but it seems like it should be more that's significant. Maybe true. push that up this <laughs> list of significant events. It's the whole exploding building part. Also, I'm enjoying how the words say and saying feature prominently in all of this. I think that's, that's a yeah. wonderful thing. Okay, for some context, who the fuck is Craig Roberts? Well, he's introduced by the film as a, quote, police officer is he introduced as a quote police officer no i wish it's just police officer without the quotes around it okay that would be real that would be real bad (laughs) (laughs) so it is true i did a little research two seconds of research but it doesn't mention that he's also the author of multiple books on the jfk assassination and cover-up He's got a book called The Medusa File, which outlines the full conspiracy of the Oklahoma City bombing. So he's making some money. He's you making can't read it money. because you'll turn to stone. Yep. That's right. Got to read it through a mirror. I like that. For all you uh, Greek Greek fans out there. Yeah. That's ancient Greek philosophy is important, folks. It's what Western civilization <laughs> yep. was built on. They did invent empiricism before rationalism. But anyway. Before Stefan Molyneux. He's a direct <laughs> descendant of the great Greek minds. I mean, come on. So VZ Lawton, a bombing survivor, asked, quote, you remember the white water investigation in Arkansas? All the paperwork was stored in the Murrah building. They Mm. had FBI agents over in the fields west of the Murrah building picking up paper almost all day long. So wait a minute. Okay, now. So you mean to tell me that the Clinton administration created this false flag event and they forgot to take the whitewater papers out (laughs) of the building beforehand? I don't fucking think so. You kidding me right now? The only way. Yeah, you gotta... No. 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 (laughs) They're they're the most incompetent, competent people of all time. That's like if during 9-11... Like there were reports of firefighters coming out with with boxes of paperwork about every drug test George W. Bush ever <laughs> failed. No, no fucking way. No fucking way. So we learn more about John Doe number two. So there's another person involved in this whole thing, a German by the name of Andreas Strassmeyer, who has supposedly snuck through Mexico, then flown back to Germany after the bombing. Apparently, McVeigh was sighted in Elohim City eight weeks before the attack. What's Elohim City? Think a white supremacist safe space. The CIA was spying on Elohim City. The film talks about PatCon and how it was an FBI program to infiltrate every neo-Nazi group, or as the film puts it, quote, every militia group, every neo-Nazi group, every group critical of the government of the United States. I'm actually surprised Alex Jones would even mention neo-Nazi group in the same breath with all his uh, brethren there. It's very strange. What tyranny let neo-Nazi groups be neo-Nazi groups, I say. That's what I Yeah, exactly. I just love, yeah, I love this list. You know, every pedophile, every war criminal, every guy who works at the Gap, (laughs) they wanted everybody. Another bombing survivor named Jane Graham is interviewed in this film saying that she saw people placing putty on the columns at the Murrah building and the streaming wires between the pillars. Strassmeyer was there apparently also going over plans with these men according to Graham. So, uh-oh. So surveillance cameras are also the smoking gun here, guys. The film ends with this most powerful punch. Oh, my apologies. I shouldn't have said punch. I don't want to trigger any Richard Spencer fans listening right now. So, <laughs> oh boy. 
My bad. But Richard is uh, just, he's peaceful. Remember, a very peaceful man trying to bring about a peaceful revolution to kick out everyone but the white people. Exactly. That's how it would work. That is Zog slander. (laughs) He just wants to ask them to leave and they (laughs) just will. So I don't understand why anyone would be violent towards such a nonviolent and peaceful and totally pragmatic position. Anyway, continue. Yeah, it's... So the film states that the surveillance films show that there were multiple bombers, but the tapes have been lost. Oh, I know. Yeah. In this section of the film, we are introduced to Charlie Rose. No, don't get excited. It's not that Charlie Rose. A lot of Charlie Rose fans listening to this. This Charlie Rose. So, no, this Charlie Rose is with a legend video transfer. Equally famous. <laughs> Man. <laughs> they have all kinds of VHS tapes. <laughs> the FBI hired him to gu- duplicate 400 tapes of the Oklahoma City bombing. He says, quote, each FBI agent was required to stay in the room with each of us that were in that room. We really didn't have the opportunity to sit back and watch the videos. Damn, seriously. Charlie and his team of video duplicators are so good at what they do. They don't even have to look at the fucking screens when they're duplicating them. That's that's some Jedi shit. They just they do it by sense. They do it by smell. I can smell when it's done. In the last minutes of the film, Alex Jones explains that if you look at Lee Harvey Oswald and Timothy McVeigh and quote other patsies, they are very similar. They are in the military. They've got security clearances. According to Jones, McVeigh was doing covert missions for the military and infiltrating these militias and right wing groups and preparing to set them up. Then eventually he learned that he was the guy that got set up. That sucks. That's a weird strategy. That is weird. All right. You're going. We're going to send this guy to infiltrate these groups, and then we're going to throw him in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Jones mentions Dr. John Smith, and he says, if it's even his real name, which it's probably not, um, (laughs) who is the protege of Dr. West, saying, quote, Mr. Mind Control, that's what he called him, a.k.a. Mind Control, was... Hey, hey, (laughs) hey, 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 that is Dr. Mind Control. (laughs) Good point, good point. So he was Timothy McVeigh's doctor in prison. Quote, you couldn't make this up in a spy novel. Truth is always stranger than fiction, and it's all hidden in plain view. Blah, blah, blah. The narrator <laughs> asks... That's essentially what's being said. The narrator says, asks... I sound, I, sound just like, I sound just like Alex Jones when I'm watching the normal news now. I, I, I say these same things. The narrator asks, quote, was the bombing the product of a, a sting gone out of control with McVeigh taking the blame for a series of government failures? Just asking questions. Jones suggests the Oklahoma City bombing inside job was carried out to pass the Omnibus Anti-Terrorism Act. Jones says, quote, we see amazing parallels between Oklahoma City and 9-11, and we see it also being used as a mass conditioning tool to launch a new war. In the case of Oklahoma City, a war against the American people. In the case of 9-11, a war against the Middle East and an evasion for resources. We didn't invade Iraq to steal their oil. Why can't this fucking myth die already? I just I'm over and it. And again, we have to rehabilitate the neocons. So here's yes, our neocon. yeah, neocon as, as rehabilitation. So as the last remnant of the weekly standard, <laughs> we will not stop. Let's be very clear. The neocons wanted to install a democracy in Iraq, and right. that would give us easier access yes. to the resources of Iraq. Yes. But it wasn't until the great mind of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That he just said, let's just steal the oil. So anyway, right. moving on. <laughs> just go straight to it. Alex Jones candidate was the one advocating exactly what Alex Jones is supposed yeah. to be against here. But anyway, let's just let's continue pretend that that exactly. didn't happen. So Alex Jones ends the film by saying, quote, in the months and weeks building up to the Oklahoma City bombing, there was incredible conditioning on the news. 
These people are scared of the federal government. They're terrorists. They're going to kill you. They're going to bomb you. <laughs> you watch. It's going to happen. <laughs> you mean the neo? You mean the fucking neo-Nazi militias? Yeah, let's not disparage their good name. I mean, let's not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Continuing. Quote, and sure enough, it happened. And then you look at the evidence and the government and the black ops fingerprints are all over it. The establishment going to have trouble in the future orchestrating further atrocities like Oklahoma City because the public is now really getting wise to their tricks. Mm. Oklahoma City is one of the best examples we've got where we can prove clearly that the official story was a fraud, that the government was involved and is using it to demonize good Americans. Demonize thank very God, fine people. Like Timothy McVeigh. Very fine people. And thank God this is no false flags have happened since. Okay. So that's all very light so far. You know, fairly light. We're just talking about domestic white nationalist terrorism. We've talked about occult self-immolating. So let's get into the serious parts of the early kind of pre-9-11 Alex Jones. And that is how the UN is stealing our national parks, people. Wake up! Oh, no. <laughs> this you you is mean from... the Trump administration is not selling them off to private interests? What's going on is they're selling them to the UN. Well, no, I mean, they gave it to them. The UN oh, took them. We didn't even get anything out of it. No. That's awful. They sold us out to the UN oh, cabal. Oh, no. For free. For free! <laughs> All right, so this comes from Alex Jones's first movie, America Destroyed by Design. <laughs> and it's Why would the Founding Fathers want to destroy us? What's going on here? They designed it. Well, no, it wasn't the Founding Fathers. It was Bill Clinton. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He designed America. I get it. Okay. Yeah, because the national parks are good, but what's bad is when we sell them to the UN cabal <laughs> to facilitate the Chinese communist slave state. Oh, no. Okay. That's the bad stuff. Okay, so... This is from Alex Jones's first movie, America Destroyed by Design. And it's like a, you know, a travel channel documentary. So it's a little kind of a slipshod in that it's he starts in Arizona and he kind of makes a big circle around the country until he ends up back in Austin. But so I'm going to break it down into the three kind of main themes here. And the first is, again, the UN, the International Cabal, stealing our national parks. So most of this movie this film, excuse me, is Alex Jones going to these national parks and haranguing tourists and park rangers about how the UN is stealing our public land from us. <laughs> and so these include the Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument, Yellowstone, the Rocky Mountains, and the Grand Canyon. So we're not talking about some of these pissant national parks. We're talking about the real big guys. Yeah. Blue chips. So what is all so what is all this about the UN owning these parks? It all centers around UNESCO's International Biosphere Reserve Project. And according to their website, quote, Biosphere reserves are areas comprising terrestrial, marine, and coastal ecosystems. Each reserve promotes solutions reconciling the conservation of biodiversity with its sustainable use. So that sounds pretty cool. It sounds really interesting. And for our purposes, this is the most important part of their website, quote, Biosphere reserves are nominated by national governments and remain under the sovereign jurisdiction of the states where they are located. Their status is internationally recognized. Mm. Now, that's what the U.N. says, but that's just what they want you. The, yeah, <laughs> a likely story. Exactly. Jones is going to really get to where it is. So okay. he first stops at this Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument, and he says that this project started in 1968 
and then the Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument itself came under international control in 1976. The problem, though, is that one thing Alex Jones likes to do is say things started when, like, the predecessors of those things started. So he does this with the UN. People say, well, like, when did the UN start? And he'll say, no, it started with the League of Nations. And it's like, that's not the UN. <laughs> um, and so I think he's doing that here because this UNESCO program started in 1983. So I don't know what he's talking about because he never, like, gives you sources or anything. And just one um, year before the rise of Ingsoch. Yeah, just yep. that's all it took. Yep. But this control, he says, didn't have any teeth. Mm. until 1996 mm. with an executive order from Bill Clinton. Slick Willie. You know, it sounds to me, though, that someone might be in the pocket of big dentistry. Ooh. I don't know, you know, talking about teeth. It's yeah, maybe yeah. Alex Jones' father is really pulling the strings <laughs> or floss or something. <laughs> Ooh, the floss. <laughs> Alex Jones doesn't <laughs> floss. So the executive order, uh, which we'll, we'll link to on our website, it's executive order 12986. And although it's incredibly important and it's really short, Jones never reads it out <laughs> on the program. And I'm not going to waste your time just reading out this whole thing. It basically gives like diplomatic immunity to the International Union for Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources. It seems like it extends diplomatic immunity to them as though they were like working at an embassy. Or something like that. Um, well, you know what, Dylan? You're going to post this on our blog online. I'm reading it. It's, it sounds to me this an entire UN tyrannical takeover is what I'm reading. So yeah, it kind of is. But I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know the sheeple who listen to this aren't going to check. <laughs> oh, so, you yes. dummies! You uh, dumbass! So we can continue smoking our cigars <laughs> and drinking our children' blood <laughs> and eating pizza. And eating lots of pizza with walnut sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so before um, Alex Jones leaves, he pesters a park ranger about all of this. Oh, Specifically, poor guy. He shows him a he shows him a photo of a sign leading into Mammoth Cave, and that sign says that Mammoth Cave is a World Heritage Site and International Biosphere Reserve. Apparently, the local community didn't like the sign, and so they took it down. What a bunch of Alex SJWs! Jones thinks, exactly. Jones thinks that. What this means is that the park is trying to hide the executive order, <laughs> that the U.N. actually owns these places so the rubes don't get too excited. Oh. And they're the ones who took the signs down. And so at every park he visits, he makes a very big deal about these bronze plaques, which display information about the International Biosphere Reserve designation. It's like, you know, this the tyranny was- of plaques, the dear. Yeah, the tyranny of plaques is a bit much. It's it yeah. is the tyranny. He I'm, is so upset about these fucking plaques. <laughs> it is unbelievable <laughs> because Jones thinks these plaques are certificates of ownership, <laughs> and that they're hidden from the public by being placed in weird, out of the way parts of the park. <laughs> Why even place them at all? That's what I don't know. I think they get off on, like, technically we put it up, but they can't see it. Is there a government agency from the UN that comes to check to make sure your plaque is in the right place? Like, why would you even put it up? Oh, my God. So weird. And then why make a movie about it? (laughs) Even better question. Even better. Now, when Jones visited the Olympic National Park, um, he didn't get the best reception. Uh, Some people at the park treated Jones and his crew like, quote, two-headed demons. (laughs) This was after he interviewed a guy with the National Forest Service inquiring about the U.N. signs. The Forest Service guy explains that that's a national park thing while he is in the National Forest Service. And then Jones says, yeah, but you're all under Babbitt. Uh, Babbitt being the interior secretary at the time. 
And the National Forest Service guy has to explain that. No, he's under the Agricultural Department. And so I don't know <laughs> why riveting. Jones kept this in the documentary, but it makes him look mega stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest part about this at this point, this is when Jones decides that he's going to talk directly to the establishment just randomly after this part. And <laughs> the way he talks directly to the establishment is via a montage of Janet Reno, various kind of masked governmental thug types, and quick cuts between Clinton and Hitler, while a bizarre pop cover of Cold Dead Hands by Dustin Collins with different lyrics plays in the background. It's really... It's an experience. Um, I'm just going to say it's definitely an experience, and it might be sung by Alex Jones. It was, I was wow. unable to find exactly who sang this beautiful rendition of this song. I, w- I want to watch this, but I feel like I'll have to first steady my nerves with some LSD before yeah. watching it. Yeah, yeah I think that's going to be the only way you can really survive. <laughs> so then Jones moves on to Yellowstone National Park, again, owned by the UN. And this is where he discusses his disdain for plans to make Yellowstone totally car free. There was a plan to restrict motor vehicle access and to only allow buses uh, to go into the park. And he's also very upset that there are certain parts of the park where people are not allowed to go. (laughs) What? He is so mad about this. <laughs> and a little interesting tidbit about this, because I, you know, I looked it up about this, you know, I didn't know Yellowstone was car free, and um, newsflash, it totally isn't. <laughs> and there's at least one person uh, wrote in the New Republic arguing that it should be car free, in fact, motor free, arguing that literally the only thing you could do or should be able to do in a national park is walk. You know, I got to say, I went to the Louvre recently in uh, France, and I was very upset because they told me I couldn't touch the Mona Lisa. That really made me mad and angry. Your private property rights were being infringed. They They were were infringing the private property rights of your hands to touch whatever they want. Leonardo belongs to the people, goddammit. So you might be wondering, all right, I get it. I believe it. The UN owns the park. I, I get it. But why does the UN care if you drive a car through Yellowstone? How are these things connected? It's simple. Because the real goal is to, quote, get you used to being told what to do. Oh. If they can get you to accept car restrictions and increased park fees, who know what they can get you to do? I would love to be in the smoke-filled back room with the UN people going, oh, this is how we get the stupid Americans to do as we wish. We get them to not drive cars and have to ride the bus at Yellowstone. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, the next law is going to be just like you have to sacrifice your firstborn to Moloch and they'll just do it. Like, all right, yeah. well, we've been following laws this whole time, so we'll not going to stop now. Later. Yeah, exactly. Spoiler. A harbinger. So a couple he, um, you know, there were a few problems he had um, while he was, you know, talking to people. So he tried talking to one of the higher higher ups at the park and they wouldn't let him film without a permit. And because of this, he compared it to a military encampment. Wow. Oh, of course. Yeah. But the, the facilities on the border are just nice places, right? Uh, anyway. Yes. Oh, on. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Yellowstone military encampment. Got it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And of course, he Fucking finds idiot. that UN sign. He finds the bronze plaque, uh, the certificate of ownership. And he finds it discreetly hidden in the back of the theater. That, where this must no be the finale of the go. film then, right? Was it just like, ba-boom, at the very end? Like, the plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
sadly, no. Uh, sadly, no. This is not the finale. We've got a lot more of this documentary to go three hours through. ago. A lot of park rangers to yell at. Yeah. Jones is able to interview some tourists. Um, they weren't very uh, enthused. And so Alex Jones just starts yelling at them about, you know, the UN stealing our cactuses or whatever. Um, you know, journalism. Yeah, like literally. And there's also a point when because he visits the Grand Canyon and he does this, too, where he says, like, there's a cut of him and he says, hey, you know, let's interview some people and see what they think about this. And what he means by let's interview people is let's stand and yell at them about the executive <laughs> order 12986. What a vacation for these so people. Can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that one is great because after the Grand Canyon, he says, you know, the sooner I turned around, they started laughing and calling me a kook. <laughs> no. Like, oh, I wonder why. No. So at this point. When he's at Yellowstone, he tries this tactic. He, he, you know, you know, he starts yelling at tourists, and they don't take well to it. And he responds by saying, "Quote: You see that right there? They talk about a Hollywood movie rather than the bronze plaque <gasps> and the executive order. What? That is what is wrong with America, ladies and gentlemen. It would be if they were talking about the newest Marvel movie. Then it would be. <laughs> oh yeah, that might yeah. Um, let's see. And uh, lastly, um, we're going to talk about Alex Jones visits the Rocky Mountain National Park." I, I hate to, you know, keep repeating. They got this one too, guys. Um, oh no! It's owned by the UN. No, no, They've got no. a map. Red Rock yet? Um, I don't know. They didn't mention Red Rock. I hope. Okay. God, I hope they hope still not. have Red Rock. And th- here, Jones explains the plan a little better. Is um, you know, because first they're going to restrict our car use and they're going to increase fees, and then in ten years they're going to jump to subdividing the parks and selling them off to corporations. That's the next step. Um, that's all going to happen in 10 years. And then Joe, this, this is the weirdest part. Jones interviews a park ranger who agrees with him about local control. And she's like, yeah, you know, we need more local control. Small and then government. she mentions the fee increases and she says, yeah, it's great. And all these fee increases are going to the park. Isn't that great? And that for some reason, at this point, Jones cuts the interview. <laughs> And then Cut later on in the later uh, voiceover, he says um, uh, he's kind of making fun of her and says she's never even heard of the bronze plaques, even though <laughs> she works there, even though she totally she totally mentions the bronze plaque. It's, it's right there. You rewind a minute. Al- this is and before like, Alex oh. got a really good editor. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. I think he's the one True. doing all these edits and it shows. All right. So that is the end of the U.N. stealing our national parks. Now we got to move to China. China <laughs> is involved here. Oh, China. No. And this is when Alex Jones goes to Southern California and he visits the Long Beach Naval Weapons Shipyard, which was decommissioned in 1993. Now, you might think there's nothing wrong with that. Shipyards are decommissioned all the time. Well, the problem is that they're letting the communist Chinese take it over in the form of Costco. What? I I actually, I prefer it to be Costco takeover instead. Mm. I mean, guys, they have vegan bitchin' sauce in bulk. So that is something to... Oh, that is... It's funny. I actually had to look it up to make sure it wasn't Costco. (laughs) That's what I thought he was talking about. I was like, is there a weird connection? So Alex Jones wanted to visit the shipyard, but he was denied access to to the facility for some reason. And he was told that he had to call, quote, the Navy to get permission. And they never returned his calls. So I don't know who he called. How do you call the Navy? (laughs) Like a weird, like you go in the phone book and it's just the Navy. They're probably just too busy being Chinese. Oh, that's, yeah, that's that's probably true. All right. So what, what's going on here? What's this with the Chinese communists stealing our shipyards? Well, the port was going to be leased to Costco. Lease is an important word. Um, And it was, in fact, run by the Chinese. Of course. But, and the lease was awarded. 
but it was canceled because so many locals got pissed off. So mm-hmm. in the end, this actually never happened. So Alex Jones then visits the George Air Force Base in Victorville, where the Chinese bought land to build wholesale Chinese markets. The city manager Sakamoto notes that it's a hard call for him to make when large companies like Nike and IBM have set up factories in China. So it's hard for him to kind of, you know, reject these building projects because he wants to give the citizens of Victorville more jobs. Well, not for long. Our president just commanded U.S. companies to pull out of China. Yep. And they have to follow the commandment because that's how free markets work in America. You got to yep. follow the yeah, commandment. Exactly. Now, this might all seem like small potatoes. You know, this is just a small Victorville town. Who cares? Well, the problem is the trilateralist system. They are going for slavery. Oh, no. What they're doing is deindustrializing the U.S. to weaken us. And the rest of the world is under the IMF and World Bank control. <gasps> the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, and the Bilderbergers are the three horsemen of the new slave. Oh, this is a much better uh, way to use your time than to read the book, The New Jim Crow. This is far more real. Oh, oh, yeah. Better. Oh, yeah. You get much more information. All right. And so there are a few other beautiful tidbits in this documentary. Uh, the documentary covers the Oklahoma City bombing, but Brent already covered that. So here's just a few kind of minor things. While he's driving to Oklahoma City, he passes through a toll booth and he notices this thing called the K-Tag system. And, you know, he asks the uh, the toll booth operator what this is. And she says, well, you buy a transponder and basically it hooks up to your credit card and just pays the toll automatically. <gasps> and she's like, oh, this is a great thing. And then Alex Jones thinks this woman is really stupid because this is all going to yeah. turn us into slaves oh, uh, of course. somehow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that yeah, one's but, clearly yeah, stupid. Yeah, eventually be putting your hands and forehead and then you're it's over. Yeah, the That's mark good. of the and we're going to we're getting to the mark <laughs> of the beast. Don't you worry. The, but we, we there's a bigger problem, though, and I don't know if you knew this was a problem. You know, the model UN. Have you heard of this? Where kids kind of role play being members of the of UN? That. Yes, I that's that's triggering a memory about that. Alex Jones covered that from like way back in the day, though. Yeah. Way back in the day. It's evil, folks. Oh, it's boy. evil. The yeah. model UN is indoctrinating oh, your youth. Yeah, mock UN. Yeah, mm. mock UN. So Alex Jones says, we have these model UN where we're teaching kids about the UN, yet we don't have any resources to teach students about the U.S. <laughs> Constitution. But apparently there's unlimited funds to teach <laughs> about the UN. Because I know, I know when you were in school, you learned all about the UN. I, I, I remember I, when I was in elementary school, we were able to pick stocks in the stock market and see like what our, how our portfolio did over time as if they were mm-hmm. real stocks. So clearly they were teaching me to be part of the bankster oh, yeah. elite cabal. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were grooming you. Yeah. You weren't just going to be a slice of pizza. You were going to be on top. <laughs> and so Alex Jones proceeds to start interviewing some of these children who think the UN is great and an effective way to achieve world peace. And Alex Jones's contempt for these children is palpable. He really... <laughs> And like during a session, he kind of voices over saying, quote, helpless young people yielding themselves to the elite's hands. <laughs> and so he starts talking to the kind of the model UN secretary general, and he starts asking him about where the different model UNs were started. But then Alex Jones says, no, you were wrong because he was actually talking about the UN. But Alex Jones is actually talking about the League of Nations. And so it's all very stupid. It's all very convoluted. <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to pull there. Yes, close enough. Then uh, Jones hits us with some UN facts. And the same kid, he just bombards him with all these facts out of nowhere. <laughs> I really feel for this kid. 
So first, uh, Jones brings up Kurt Waldheim, who is the fourth secretary general of the UN from 1972 to 1981. Alex Jones says he was an SS officer and death camp operator, which oh sounds boy. pretty bad. It's not exactly true, but he does. He definitely does have a shadier past uh, that kind of came out later in life. Um, he was part of the SA for a time uh, before it was disbanded, and then he transferred to the Wehrmacht. And there was no indication that he was in the SS, however. So, you know, not perfect. Not saying it's great, but Alex Jones is maybe puffing it up a little bit. That's all I'm going to say. Perhaps only a fine person, but not, not a very fine person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Jones also discusses human rights abuses by Belgian army officers in Somalia during a UN peacekeeping mission, including roasting a child alive and forcing captives to drink salt water. What does this have to do with anything? What? They were UN peacekeepers. Because these human rights abuses happened by UN peacekeepers, that means the UN is an evil international cabal oh, run I by see. the European banks in the benefit of the trilateralist system. Got you it. See the connection? Okay. God, now I Got see it. the connection. Thank you. You now had to really make it clear for me. And, you know, it's funny because I actually found this. And, you know, Jones is right. You got to go to alternative media to find this stuff. He said it was reported in Europe. But if you want to find it in America, you got to go really alternative mm. and so i had to turn to cnn oh my god to oh learn god. about this i how could you it's they're the cutting edge of alternative media apparently i'm pretty sure noam chomsky noam chomsky that's one of his very elite media sources that he has like exclusive access to and so but the best part of all this really is just jones bombarding this poor kid with all these facts and the kid like <laughs> doesn't know how to handle it he's not media savvy at all do you guys remember that adam <laughs> kokesh guy the libertarian guy yeah he would yeah he would ambush people and try to prove that they're actually libertarians and he'll be like well, what if someone was trying to rape you wouldn't you want a gun and the person's like yeah he's like okay well there you go you're a libertarian congrats <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the way well, hopefully he got a bronze uh, plaque after that. Yeah. Jesus. And then the documentary ends with a little story about thumb <laughs> scanners. And this kind of comes out of the blue because it's not really tied to the rest of the international cabal stuff. He kind of sticks this right in the end here. And the story is that Alex Jones needs to get a new driver's license. And there's a Texas plan that requires thumbprints in order to get your driver's license renewed. You have to give them your thumbprint. And he is not about to do that. That is not what Alex Jones is all about. He ends the documentary. It's just a news clip of him getting arrested at the DMV because he made a big scene and would not give them his thumbprint. This includes him saying in response to being told that he needs to have his thumb scanned in order to get an ID, quote, I feel like I'm being raped. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is more hyperbolic than anything an SJW type has said yeah. with those types of words. Like, this is Seriously. far more hyperbolic, hyperbolic oh, than yes. even that. So, way yes. beyond. Yeah, I believe the, there was a, um, a Cato Institute article came out recently, and they talk about there's political correctness, and then there's patriotic Ooh. correctness. And that's basically <laughs> right. what this is. So, after saying that he felt like he was being raped, Alex Jones compared having to have his thumb scanned to getting the mark of the beast. <laughs> and the real victims that day, it wasn't Alex Jones. It was everybody oh waiting in line to getting oh, their damn license. And they couldn't him. because Alex Jones was doing his grandstanding yep. act. And this made me wonder what Alex Jones thinks about voter ID laws. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure he's for it. I mean, duh. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Bill Clinton didn't, you know, push it. So therefore, it's good. Yeah, okay, exactly. Exactly. And so a woman is also interviewed by the uh, the news crew there um, and she gets her license and goes back into the car and she says, I just think these protesters are weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I think is exactly right. I mean, if it was in Austin, Texas. Uh. Yeah, this was Austin, Texas. But okay. I mean, Alex Jones isn't weird. <laughs> this is part of the international tracking grid. Just look at what Lockheed Martin are doing Ooh, and you'll know the truth. That's true. And Alex Jones is also upset. Uh, about Bill Clinton's executive order to begin a plan to drug test people 18 years and under before they get their driver's licenses. And this, by the way, is totally true. This is something that Bill Clinton wanted to set up a committee about. I don't know. I don't think it ever happened. I didn't have to take a P test to get my driver's license. So I guess America won that battle. (laughs) (laughs) I could take DMT with no problem. All right. So now we're going to go into my section, which is about the cremation of care ceremony at the Bohemian Grove. (laughs) So one of my all-time favorite documentarians, authors, and journalists, John Ronson, made a documentary called The Secret Rulers of the World, released in five parts on Channel 4 on BBC. The five parts span from April to May in 2001. And note, this was only months before 9-11 and thus a good subject to end this episode on. Because, as insane as all of the shit you've heard so far is, it's the 9-11 was an inside job era that catapulted Alex Jones into conspiracy superstardom, and only later with the Trump era that Alex Jones reaches the pinnacle of being batshit fucking crazy. Yeah, this is, this is just the indie band part Garage of Alex band. Jones's career. Yeah, exactly. The documentary also came out around the same time that Ronson released his book, Them, Adventures with Extremists, which is excellent and everyone should check it out. Part one of the documentary is about a tragic incident about a conspiratorial and white separatist family in Ruby Ridge near Naples, Idaho, which, after engaging in an intermittent shootout and standoff with the government, ultimately ended with two family members and their dog being killed by federal agents. Very sad. And this was something of a precursor to Waco and one of the reasons Timothy McVeigh used to justify his act of terrorism. And I'm sure that this story will eventually be an episode on the podcast, Mm -hmm. I would think. Should be. Part two of the documentary is about nutjob David Icke, who is famous for believing that lizard people from another dimension rule the world. And that's just scratching the surface. There's a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this segment focuses on Icke's background, his day-to-day speaking engagements, and the parallels between Icke's ideology, for lack of a better word, (laughs) and anti-Semitic tropes. Ronson also follows left-wing activists you know, Antifa that try to shut down Ike with mixed success. One one great thing about David Ike that I'll just say here about the anti-Semitic tropes is there's good reason not to believe him when he says that he's not being anti-Semitic. But it is really funny how Ike has to constantly keep telling people like, no, I'm literally talking about lizard people. Yeah, it's, it is weird. I mean, I, I oscillate back and forth between believing him and not believing him because. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I do know sometimes neo-Nazis will show up at his speaking engagements. They really like what he has to say. Yeah. And, uh, but he'll, he'll, say, he'll, he'll say things like once in a while, like these people, like, I'm not sure if I'd rather have you in power or the New World Order. I'm not sure. so i mean i guess if he prefers the new world order to neo-nazis it's it's a step in the right direction i suppose yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i'm being very generous fuck david ike anyway part three part three is about timothy mcveigh and part five is about the bilderberg group which was the apex of power of the new world order back when things were more innocent nowadays clearly the (laughs) apex of the new world order would consist of blue-haired college students and big tech companies i think that's what the rhetoric is telling me and that's what's going on oh yeah oh yeah yeah exactly they forced me to use a million gendered pronouns and then yell at professors on campus they are the true enemy right now yeah also i want to say that it's a bilderberg group it's not build a bear group i know a lot of people may get that confused (laughs) yeah don't get it confused 
Don't get confused. <laughs> if you go with your child to build a bear, they're not going to implant a microchip into you. Maybe they'll implant a microchip into the bear. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you got to look yeah, out that's for. That's true. Tear up on your bears. Okay. Mark of the bear. Anyway, all the documentary is really good. Everyone should see it. But the part that concerns us is part four titled The Satanic Shadowy Elite. That's a question mark. In which Ronson follows Alex Jones as he attempts to break into Bohemian Grove, an elite men's club in Monte Rio, California. Ooh. So despite being as kind and even-handed as possible in documenting Alex Jones's insane adventures in the secret rulers of the world, Ronson would later go on to describe Alex Jones as, quote, basically the most irresponsible man I've ever met. And given how many irresponsible men Ronson has met, this says a whole lot. Yeah. Jeez. A whole lot. Now, the Ikester does show up in this part of the documentary, giving a slideshow, and he tells us a bit about what we're up against, quoting him. Now, behind these trees, every year in July, the elite, the presidents, past presidents, future, the media owners, the bankers, the business leaders, turn up for a summer camp at Bohemian Grove. Now, here's a picture of Bohemian Grove taken in 1957. Look over here. We have Uncle Ron, meaning uh -oh. Ronald Reagan. I guess in 1957, he's still getting on and off his horse. Over here, Tricky Dicky, Richard Nixon. Here they are in Bohemian Grove and both going to become president of the United States. Now, here's another picture from Bohemian Grove taken by a journalist on a long lens. What you're looking at during this summer camp is a ritual in which the elite of the world, they dress up in long gowns with like hoods on. Now, what we've got here, a 40 foot stone owl. Go back in the ancient world. They used to sacrifice children to a deity called Moloch or Molech. Today, these elite names are still doing ritual sacrifices of children. So we ask the question, how do they symbolize Molech, Moloch as an owl? Thankfully, end quote. Thankfully for Ike's argument, owls are only for sacrificing children. That's the only symbolism yes. they've ever had. Because he would look real foolish if that was a hasty overgeneralization. <laughs> He would, wouldn't he? <laughs> Ronson has a different question than Ike, which is, quote, could any of this actually be true? <laughs> we know that the answer is obviously, of course not. But it's a question that leads Ronson to Alex Jones, who plans to be the first person ever to expose on video, no less, Bohemian Grove's occult secrets. Yes. According to Alex, quote, you see, for over 120 plus years in Northern California, in Sonoma County, on a 2,700 acre secluded redwood grove, Leaders from around the world, prime ministers, chancellors, presidents, governors, travel there to engage in bizarre, ancient, Canaanite, Luciferian, Babylon, mystery, mystery religion ceremonies. You know, he really doesn't even need to have to go into any more detail for me because I knew this was all true the minute he said giant owl statue. Yeah, well, I also I like the spaghetti on the wall strategy. Just name a bunch of pre Judeo Christian <laughs> religions and surely one of them's right. Yeah, well, why not? They're all the same thing. They're all just pagan nonsense. So just lump them all together. That's true. So Alex also has a perfectly good answer to anyone that simply cannot accept that bankers and politicians are secretly meeting up at a campground in California to ri to ritualistically slaughter children. <laughs> okay. Here's here's Alex Jones's answer to that. Oh, well how could the Aztecs accept sacrificing 10,000 people on some holidays eating their children's hearts? This is all real. And we see decadent empires in their final stages of corruption as they become insane throughout history, engaging in mass murder when it doesn't even help their final cause. <laughs> and I got to say, this is ironic because I think it's 
possible that nobody has contributed more to the insanity and decadence of the American <laughs> empire. And nobody has done more to harm his own case than Alex Jones. <laughs> so so true. I find this extremely ironic and wonderful. Yeah. I also have to wonder if beyond meat or impossible burger have started making vegan children's hearts for bohemian grove attendees <laughs> <laughs> that may also be vegan. you know, there's a market for people that may enjoy the taste of a child's heart, but don't really support the cruelty. That'd be so funny. You know, it, the problem is it's the opposite. Oh, okay. They're working on injecting even more cruelty oh. into children's hearts to up the enjoyment. I mean, now with more oh. cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. When you buy, cruelty-free products, where do you think all that cruelty is going? <laughs> They're not just going to waste it. Cruelty. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Good point. So at this point in the documentary, Ronson documents Alex going into a store to pick up a suit. There he meets an employee of the store that happens to be a super fan of InfoWars. While Alex Jones is trying his new suit on, the super fan tells Ronson, quote, well, he's got some opinions that are not mainstream, to say the least, and it's enjoyable listening to him. Not that I agree with everything he says, mind you, but Alex then interrupts him and shouts from the dressing room, yeah, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) In a rebuilt church that was destroyed during the Waco massacre, a priest or pastor or whatever introduces Alex and predicts that Alex, 26 at the time, will be president of the United States by age 36. I, I frankly, I would ask if you would put 26 in quotes. Just to, uh, you know. <laughs> Although as, you know, the, the president's top advisor, I think he was pretty good, pretty spot on with his prediction there. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Alex shouts from the podium, victory is ours against the New World Order, against the communists and socialists and the bankers that run the whole filthy show. And now that they run the world, or at least the central hubs of power, and the banking establishments, and the dominant media, they plan to sack this country. Are you going to let them? Feel your ancestors. <laughs> uh, it's feel your ancestors, but grope your descendants? I don't I really understand this. <laughs> to fight the NWO, you've got to grab them by the ancestors. <laughs> Next part of the documentary, we watch Alex Jones yell at an ex-FBI agent for what feels like an eternity. Bronson tells us that Alex has invited him along to document his journey to infiltrate bohemian grove and i believe this is weird given that ronson is making a documentary for bbc one of those <laughs> dominant media organizations and hubs of power or central uh, hubs of power so i don't know what to make of this yeah and plus plus it's british so it's a double whammy oh yeah, Ooh, yeah. Uh, no good ronson says quote i didn't know whether men like henry kissinger and george w bush really dress in robes and attend a secret owl burning owl burning ceremony <laughs> in the forest of northern california a ceremony said to be called the cremation of care it was hard to believe, but Alex was intent on discovering the truth. Yeah, from our Linda LaRouche series, we know Henry Kissinger wears a lots of jewelry and perfume. So, <laughs> you know, him wearing a robe, it's not really that much of a leap. Hey, hey, that's slander. That's slander. <laughs> He's a war criminal, yes, oh. but how dare you say he wore perfume? <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. And as we all know, much like John Mitchell's descriptions of Joe Mellon drilling a hole into his head in order to be high forever, yes. as we discuss in our Psychedelic Cult series, mm-hmm. the British are just far too kind in describing unhinged lunatics and their motivations. <laughs> Alex, being an American, isn't quite so reciprocal in extending such a generosity to our British brethren, referring to Ronson and his camera crew as his, quote, redcoat friends. <laughs> no, <laughs> not insulting at all. I'd actually much rather have, quote, redcoat friends than red hat friends, personally, but that's just... Me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Even better, or even worse, would be white hat friends. Oh, because then helmets. You, yeah, would be helmet. a red, you would be a red hat as well, but red hat gone to the next degree of insanity. <laughs> it's confusing. It's very confusing. Ronson and his camera crew meet at a motel near the Bohemian Grove of Alex Jones. Alex Jones's camera crew and Kelly Rebecca Nichols. 
Nichols was Alex's then girlfriend and future wife and further future ex-wife mm. who would eventually create petitions calling for certain Infowars videos to be pulled from YouTube and even allege that Alex Jones is an abusive narcissist trying to brainwash and take their children away from her on the progressive David Pakman show. But forget about all that. Those, th- these are more innocent times we're talking about. So. <laughs> I like how infiltrating yeah. a rich people's summer camp, accusing them of being wearing robes and doing child sacrificing, being Satanist is labeled as Alex Jones mild years. But, you know, <laughs> it's true. I guess it's true. Yeah. And sadly, he won't even remember these glory days because of all the chili he ate. He's just going to be <laughs> one big blur. At the motel, Alex tells Ronson that he wishes he brought a gun. Jesus. Ronson, being a libtard Brit, asks him, why would you want to bring a gun? <laughs> Alex responds, because they say people have disappeared from here. (laughs) It turns out that Alex has more than just a New World Order to fear. When looking over a map of the area as he tries to figure out his entry point, he says he's afraid he might get shot if he wanders onto somebody's private property. But aren't these good guys with guns? I don't understand why he's scared. I I think you're just categorically bad if you happen to live next door to men in robes sacrificing baby hearts to a giant owl statue. Oh, okay. No, no. Property rights are sacred to Jones. He would accept murder on (laughs) someone else's property with dignity. (laughs) He's just going to break into the private property of the Bohemian group. Yeah. All right. After trying to figure out how far into the woods Nichols can go with Alex before he'll have to leave her behind because this is a men's club, she tells him she doesn't want to stay behind in the woods if she doesn't have a gun. Alex agrees, but brings up another reason why she should stay behind. Quote, there's no way to hide your beautiful femininity from the goblins. (laughs) (laughs) This is like weirdly romantic in a crazy Alex Jones sort of way. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's kind of cute. What? No way least- to hide your femininity from the goblins. <laughs> Nichols can't stress enough how sad she is that they don't have guns with them. In fact, the words, I wish we had guns or variations thereof, are said quite a few times during this documentary. Indeed, towards the very end, Alex says that he just can't wait to cram a gun into the mouth of the New World Order itself. <laughs> he's blowing my mind what does that even mean it's like it's like when you ask what did it mean that the new york skyline lit up with heavenly sparks in the maga church episode you know what each of these words mean so just put it together and you you get it come on (laughs) this reminds me of that show celebrity deathmatch i don't know if you remember i love that show show. yeah claymation Um, and they had rage against the machine fight an actual machine it's kind of like that Oh, well, yeah, I'd like to see they should do bring that show back and have Alex Jones fight the New World Order itself. (laughs) Yes. Back in the motel, Alex isn't having much luck with his infiltration plans. He's still having a hard time trying to figure out how he's going to get in without getting shot by farmers or falling off a cliff. But then things start to turn around from the locals. He manages to obtain a map of Bohemian Grove campgrounds itself and a potential lead. Ooh. Okay, we meet at the grills and the picnic tables. Then we go in through the gift shop. Let's do this. I watched this documentary. It's pretty incredible. And I always just feel like Alex Jones in this. It just acts like a kid playing make-believe with his nerd <laughs> That's what it feels like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's just yeah. like D&D, but the D stand for derelicts and despots. <laughs> <laughs> So there's someone referred to as Rick the Lawyer, and he's supposed to know everything about everything about how to get into the Grove. This Rick the Lawyer has allegedly infiltrated the Grove twice, but why? Did he go in there to expose a secret satanic cabal to the world? No, he says he did it for fun. Oh. Hey, you know, yeah. it's bowling night on Tuesday nights. My wife and I see a movie every Friday. Saturday, we stroll into Bohemian Grove <laughs> and say hi to the owls and men in robes with the children bloody hearts dripping down their face. It's fine. 
They have great barbecue. <laughs> what can I say? Jesus People Christ. are like really into urban exploring now. So I bet Rick Esquire here, he would have had a lovely Instagram account had he oh. done this nowadays. Absolutely. I'm not more people. Yeah. People go do it. Instagram Bohemian Grove. Just don't get killed. So Alex meets <laughs> up with this Rick the lawyer. Going over his collection of maps, Alex shows Rick all the different plans he's concocted. Rick isn't too impressed and tells Alex that some of his plans would surely get him killed. This is like Goonies, basically. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. After painfully listening to all of Alex's dumb ideas, Rick tells him that he's overthinking it. And the best way to get into the club isn't to go through the mountains or over the river. No, the best way to infiltrate the Bohemian Grove, according to Rick, is to just walk in. Yep. <laughs> Rick says all you need to do is wear preppy clothing, nod at the quote bored and uninterested guards, and yes, just walk right in. Yep, that's all you need to do to hang out at the top club of the New World Order uninvited. That's it. <laughs> I'm surprised. I would have thought you'd need to at least bring a few children to sacrifice as a party <laughs> gift. I, mean, I guess a bottle of wine would suffice. I don't know. BYOC. <laughs> So you might understand Alex is a little skeptical of Rick's tips here. I mean, come on. This is, again, like I said, the elite club of the New World Order. <laughs> but he's Paranoia starts to creep in and he asks Ronson, you think you can trust him? I'm not going to end up tied down to a pentagram of Henry Kissinger's fat belly hanging over me while he's necking with a dagger, am I? <laughs> <laughs> so specific. Alex decides to go along with Rick's suggestions, but not without a major sense of doubt and dread. Bronson says the paranoia is getting more and more amplified in the lead up to the infiltration. Not only is Alex paranoia rubbing off on Bronson, with Bronson starting to have the same suspicious thoughts about Rick as Alex, oh, no. but Bronson is starting to get paranoid that Alex is getting paranoid about Bronson himself being a New World, a New World Order plant. Wow. wow. <laughs> a lot of paranoia. So Bronson is also worried that Alex, you know, being Alex, is going to end up hurting himself or hurting someone else during the infiltration. Alex's attempts to reassure Ronson aren't very reassuring. He tells Ronson that if he, that if his cover is blown, he'll tell those preppy assholes, quote, you better get away from me or else. <laughs> Ronson explains to him that this isn't preppy talk, but threatening talk. <laughs> Two separate things. Alex and his cameraman, Mike, practice acting like elitists so they can blend in. Jesus, this is what I mean. He's playing dress up and role playing. I mean, I did this stuff in elementary school myself. That's right. I pretended to be a prime minister, a chancellor, a president, or a governor going to secret NWO meetings, the meetups to engage in bizarre ancient Canaanite, Luciferian, Babylonian mystery religion ceremonies. I mean, hello. <laughs> it's called growing up in the Midwest, guys. Yeah, back, you know, that's back when kids used to play outside. Yes. Now they only get government sponsored opportunities to role play like in the model <laughs> UN. <laughs> it's the new warping. Mike and Alex rehearse the script they plan to say as they walk past the bored and uninterested guards. If you've ever wondered how elitists talk, it goes something like this. Alex, quote, But seriously, David, as fast as microprocessors are starting to move, it's getting to a molecular level. The question is, at what level will just the actual basics of science stop us from making these systems smaller? It's the entire nanotechnology revolution that I find most dynamic. Mike says, quote, I agree. <laughs> Under the aliases David Hancock and Mike Richardson, Alex and Mike get in the car and head off to the Bohemian Grove. On the way there, they suddenly realize that they don't know anything about their aliases other than their names. So Alex does what he does best and quickly makes up a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> he tells Mike, aka David Hancock, oh. that he's a famous writer. 
Mike gets nervous and asks what he should do if someone asks him to name the title of a book he's written. Alex just says, don't hesitate. <laughs> Mike then stumbles around trying to figure out a title, eventually settling up, settling upon The Black Lagoon, his debut novel from the year 1984. <laughs> well, at least he didn't go with the title 1984. That was taken. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's good. Or 1985, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't from around here. <laughs> so upon arriving at the club's entrance, things don't go exactly the plan. As Ronson says, quote, it is at this moment that Alex and Mike, for no apparent reason, suddenly change their plan. Instead of walking up the drive, as Rick recommended, they dive frantically into the undergrowth at the side of the road. <laughs> There's one thing I know about infiltrating top secret child sacrifice summer camps for the elite. You should be changing your plans every minute or so just to throw them off. Yeah. That is how you are going to succeed. This is a 20 dimensional chest. In the playing. words of Mike, I agree. <laughs> So despite nearly giving themselves away with their abrupt changes and plans and the resulting shenanigans, eventually they get in. Using his trusty covert mini camera disguised as a pager on his belt, Mike gets all the footage that they came for. Yes, success. All right. So at 1 a.m., Alex and Mike return to the motel. They show the footage they got of the cremation of care ceremony. Disappointingly, it turns out the preppy elitists at the Bohemian Grove don't sacrifice children to Moloch. Instead, uh. it's some goofy frat boy nonsense <laughs> where they burn an effigy of a paper mache figure referred to as care. Well, I mean, you know, in fairness, I'm sure these Bohemian Grovers got their crafts to make the paper mache figure of Moloch from Michaels. And Michaels often has Halloween decorations in stock, which we all know is satanic. So there is something noteworthy going on here. Some connection. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're also forgetting that the paper mache is actually made of the skin oh. of children. Oh, right. <gasps> Forgot about that. But Alex Small Jones detail. already knows that because the one thing we haven't brought up yet, he's a CIA spy. I don't know <laughs> uh -oh. if anybody knew that. Um, and Bill uh -oh. Hicks. Hate to break it to you and now, Bill but Hicks. it's true. It's true. And Bill Hicks. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Symbolically, the ceremony means something along these lines. As world leaders, these pompous, rich, and powerful men, they carry the cares of the world on their shoulders. And whilst at the Bohemian Grove, they can rid themselves of said care and just relax and have a good time. So the ceremony itself is so goofy and over the top that, frankly, it just reminds me of something out of like the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland or something. <laughs> it's what it seems like. There's even a booming voice that's like, Welcome to the Bohemian Grove! <laughs> As they watch the footage in the motel room, Bronson is clearly am amused by the whole thing. But Alex, and especially Mike, are totally freaked out. <laughs> Mike tells Ronson that he was, quote, scared to death. Well, I mean, you know, Jones and Mike, they act like little kids and Disney World's Haunted Mansion is scary to children. So that's I true. <laughs> Good point. Good yeah. point. Ronson says, quote, aren't they just saying that for two weeks we don't have to worry about anything? <laughs> Alex Jones is unequivocal in his stance. No, it's obviously totally satanic and centered around human sacrifice. Yes. Ronson points out the obvious in that they're not burning a real person. Alex says he understands that, but then Mike blurts out, how do we know? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mike. <laughs> oh, shit. Jones revealed the real conspiracy, though, going on here. Humans are made of paper. Fuck. Oh, oh no. Soylent Green is made of paper. <laughs> so what else is in the Grove besides the satanic human sacrifice ceremony? Alex and Mike say basically it's just mostly a bunch of owl statues and 80-year-old men peeing on trees. <laughs> Jesus, like, aren't these people rich? You think they could afford restrooms or at least a row of porter potties available at most festivals? Come on. Mike reminds us that what he's witnessed and recorded is a huge perversion of everything our theocracy is supposed to stand for. 
quote, we're supposed to be a Christian culture and they're worshiping an owl God. How do you think that would fly with the American people? In fact, Mike was so freaked out that the next morning he went to the nearest church and prayed fervently to Jesus. If I remember correctly, guys, from my years and years of Christian research, doves are good in the Bible. It's a representation of the Holy Spirit, but owls are evil. You got to pick the right bird when you're worshiping. It's imperative. You don't want to get the wrong bird. Or as they say in Twin Peaks, the owls are not what they seem. Yes. Ronson tries to calm Mike down and assure him that the whole cremation of care thing really wasn't that scary and suggests maybe, you know, Mike, maybe you're overreacting here, but Mike is not having it. He says, quote, I looked the new world order in the face out there. Wasn't it just the metaphor? Ronson asks before breaking into an incoherent rant about Waco. Mike's immediate response is quote, to me, it doesn't matter what it was. (laughs) And with that, we are done with our first episode in our Alex Jones series. Thank you for listening to None Dare Call It Ordinary. You can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at None Dare Call It Ordinary, and send us an email at None Dare Call It Ordinary at gmail.com. For only $1 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash None Dare Call It Ordinary. For information on all our episodes, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, head over to our website at NoneDareCallItOrdinary.com. As always, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served. <laughs>